Let me, let me ask everybody in the room a question. I, I want to ask, and I want you to be serious and raise your hand. How many of you are blessed in the room today? How many of you would say that? There's a lot of hands going up, a lot of hands going up. And, and I want you to think about this, because I asked you, are you blessed? You thought about it, you raised your hand. I want you to think about how you came to the conclusion that you're blessed. What, what made you say that? Because more than likely, what you did when I asked that question is you kind of went through the Rolodex of your mind and you thought about all the good things in your life that are happening. Even if it's down to the air that I breathe, it's a good thing. The Bible says God gives it to us. And we thought, you know what, if I don't have anything other than to say than that, then, then I'm blessed. But we, we, we thought over the good things that we have and we thought, yeah, I'm blessed. If you're going through a horrible time in life right now and you can't think of anything good that's happening to you, you, you may not even have raised your hand at all. And that's just kind of a human thing that, that we do. We, we've kind of trained ourselves to believe that being blessed means that there are some things that are going good. Maybe not everything's going good in our lives, but there's enough things going on that's good in our lives that we can say, I'm blessed. And if things aren't going so well, then, then what we say in our minds is, you know, I'm going to work towards uh, becoming a person or having things in my life so I can say that I'm blessed, but I'm not there now. And then there's, there's people in your life uh, that when you ask how they're doing, they always say they're blessed. Does anybody, you know anybody like that? I'm blessed. Blessed and highly favored. Cars broke down. Marriage is on the rocks. But they're blessed. And I, when I was a kid and even a young adult, I used to think this was a cop-out. I mean, it doesn't matter what's happening. That person says they're blessed. It's like a cop-out because they don't want to really admit what's going on in their lives or something. And you say, how you doing? And they go, I'm blessed. And I'm thinking, no, you're not. <laughs> you know? You're not blessed at all. Why, why are you saying that? But as I've gotten older, I've, I've begun to realize that this type of person has tapped into something that's far more consistent, far more constant than mere circumstances. And they begin to understand that being blessed has absolutely nothing to do with my current circumstances or the current things that I have. But I also want you to understand there's nothing wrong with having stuff. There's nothing wrong with having a good uh, circumstance. In fact, some of the most godly people that we read about in the scriptures, some of them were the most wealthy. They had stuff and they had things to back it up. Um, but if you're looking for happiness in things, you're going to be highly disappointed. One of the guys in the scriptures that we read about was a guy named Solomon. Many of you have at least heard about Solomon, the wisest man of his day, the wealthiest man of his day. And he made it a point to go after anything and everything in life he could to see if he could find happiness. And he had the wisdom and he had the money to back this endeavor up. And he went after it. And he wanted pleasure. He went after success. He wanted to experience things just to find happiness. And after he experienced every bit of that, he came to this conclusion that we read about in Ecclesiastes 2.17. And this is what he came to say. All of it's meaningless. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mere chasing after the wind. Now, if you're thinking, well, that was just in the Bible. That was just churchy stuff. He hadn't had the fun that I've had. Let me tell you something. If you go, go and read the Bible and look at some of the stuff he pursued, he pursued alcohol. He pursued women. He, he pursued success and all kinds of things. And he came to the conclusion that every bit of it was meaningless. Nothing made him happy. And, and I got to say, if, if somebody with this type of, of stature, this type of wisdom, this type of wealth, with those types of means can go after it like he did and still not find happiness, then nobody can. <laughs> I mean, that's, it, that's just it. But something happened that he, he got to. And then a thousand years later, Jesus comes along and he solidified Solomon's findings. And he made several statements about what it means to truly be 
blessed. And we're in this series starting today called I Am Blessed. And I just want you to, to hear this. This is the bottom line of this entire series. Write this down, memorize it, Facebook it, do whatever you have to do. But this is the statement I want you to understand about this series. I am blessed despite what my circumstances may look like. That's it. All boiled down. I'm blessed despite what my circumstances look like. But in order to understand that, we're going to be looking at what Jesus said about being blessed. And he was, he was teaching his disciples one day, and, and this sermon that he was preaching became, became known as the Sermon on the Mount. Anybody ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount? We, we find uh, this in Matthew chapter 5 uh, through 7. And most would agree that this is Jesus' sermon that was the most important. And the reason is because he spoke on several different things throughout these three chapters that kind of identified literally who he was and what he was all about. It defined Jesus' DNA and where he stood on, on the main issues, the main topics. And so this he called the Sermon on the Mount. Well, it became known as that. And he talked about a lot of stuff that day. In this series, we're going to focus on what he said about being, about being blessed. And he said all this at the beginning of it. But when he started talking about being blessed, he says there are certain attributes that blessed people have. And then he names eight. And in this series, we're, we're going to go through them one at a time. But as we start, I want to read all of them. I want to read all of these verses right here, get a little understanding from each of them, and then we'll come back to the first one and spend the rest of our time talking about uh, the very first one. But let's go to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 3, and we're going to read through verse 12. And this is what Jesus says. And I want you to pay attention to kind of, kind of the, the, the seeming contrast here. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What's the word that each one of those sentences begins with? Say it again. Blessed. What does blessed mean? Well, if we go back to the original language that the Bible was, was written or was translated to, it means supremely blessed, well-off, fortunate. And so if, if we go back and look at that again, Jesus is saying extremely fortunate and well-off are the poor in, in the spirit. Extremely fortunate and well-off are those who are mourning. Extremely fortunate and well-off are the meek, the hungry, the merciful, the pure in heart. Extremely fortunate and well-off are the peacemakers. Extremely fortunate and well-off are those who are persecuted and, and insulted. It sounds like Jesus was losing it. I mean, this, this sounds like contradictions to me. But if you're poor and you're, you're sad and you're weak and you're hungry and put down, then you're blessed. That's what Jesus is, is saying. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. And he's not even saying that this is a wish. He's not saying this is something that you get to. He's stating that when you are in these types of conditions, it's a fact. You're blessed. And when we think about that as human beings, that doesn't compute with us because we generally try to work ourselves out of being empty. We try to work ourselves out of being alone and impoverished and weak. But I find that it's interesting that whenever we use our own power to try to get out of, of, of in, in poverty in our lives in whatever form that takes and try to have this appearance of success in our own power, it always leaves us destitute in some other area of our life. Somebody say amen. 
Because we, we can't conquer everything on our own. We can't get there. And there's always some place in our lives, no matter what we're trying to fake in one area, that we, we have this void and we can't seem to conquer it. So the reason why Jesus says you're blessed when you're in need is because when you've reached the end of yourself and you're impoverished, that's the starting place of where he can come in and do something really significant in your life. That's where we begin to realize that being blessed is not dependent upon how much I've got or not dependent upon my power or what I've done, but more about who I am in Jesus Christ. That's where being blessed comes from. It's not about having a semblance of success. It's about knowing Jesus and knowing his power in my life, whether it looks like I'm successful or not. Let me ask you kind of a, a, a soft truth kind of question. Have you figured that out yet? Or, or, or is it that, you know, you have to have everything right, everything perfect, everything in place, and everybody has to like you before you're blessed? Because if, if that's true, if, if I have to have everything kind of right and going in my life a certain way and, and everybody has to like me, will I ever be blessed? I've just come to the realization that not everyone's going to like me, and that's okay. <laughs> not, everyone's gonna, not everything's going to go right all the time. I've come to the realization that me being blessed is not determined by what's happening around me, but according to the Bible, it has everything to do with having the right spirit inside of me. And if Solomon, who was the wisest, wealthiest man, did everything humanly possible to gain happiness and still fell short, then I'm certainly not going to be able to do it. Neither are you. But when you have the right spirit inside of you, the spirit of, of Jesus Christ, and he's leading you, then you're going to find that blessings begin to happen in your life. You're going to find yourself blessed no matter what your situation is. And you're going to find this deep-seated happiness, this joy that's unshakable. Um, that being said, let's, let's go to the first one. Let's go back to verse 3, and, and let's look at it. We'll spend the rest of our time here today. It says this, as blessed are the poor in spirit. Say poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does poor in spirit mean? Because I think we have to really define what, what that is first. Poor in spirit means this. It's absolutely destitute. That's what the original word means, if you go back and, and, and look that up in the scriptures. It means absolutely destitute. It means bankrupt. The end of yourself. You're done. And he's not talking about bankrupt financially here. He's talking about being poor in what? Be, being poor in your spirit. Now, what happens when you're poor in your spirit? What happens when you have nothing left inside of you to give? When you realize you've come to the place where you have absolutely no power to do anything, the, the initiatives that you want to take on in life, and you, you begin to realize, you know what, I can't do it. When nothing's going right, and you become absolutely destitute in your spirit. You ever had humble pie? You ever order that? <laughs> I don't think anybody ever orders it, but by golly, they bring it to the table, don't they? We get that sometimes in life. To be poor in spirit means to be humbled. To be poor in spirit means to be humiliated. It's talking about humility. It's talking about a lowliness of mind. It's talking about being humbled. Now he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're going to talk about that last part in a little bit, but let's talk for a few minutes about the first part, about what it means to be poor in spirit, what it means to be humbled. And, and I think it's easy for everyone to kind of go, yeah, I'm, I'm a humble person. Uh, but I think it's interesting that we all, every one of us, we get in the right conversation and we're self-promoters. Every one of us. And you want to know why? Because we're human beings on this planet sucking in air. <laughs> we all have this flesh nature about us. And so every one of us fight the urge to glorify ourselves. But pleasing God is not about self-promotion. It's more about self-abandonment. It's about me saying, you know what? My life is not my own. 
And I have absolutely nothing inside myself that can make me worthy of God. But I've been purchased by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and now it's all about Him. I heard a quote recently, and I, I liked it. It said this, Happy are those who realize they don't have it all together, and as a result, they look to God for strength. Can we talk about humility practically for a little bit? Because I, I want to talk about this. What, what is po being poor in spirit? What is being humbled? How does that have anything to do with my happiness or being blessed? Well, I want to talk about three things real fast that being humbled does for you. The first one is this. It reduces stress. Just very practically. Let's talk about what, what this is to be blessed by being poor in spirit, being, being humbled. It reduces stress. When I'm humble, I don't have to have arrived. When I'm humble, I don't have to have all the answers. Let me say that a different way. When I stop trying to be something I'm not, stress begins to reduce drastically in my life. When you're humbled, you'll find yourself accepting who you are and where you are in life. When you're humbled, you, you, you'll find yourself accepting who you are and where you are in life, and the stress will begin to melt away. This, this is what it means to be poor in spirit. I begin to take on humility as a way of life and accept the fact that I have lack in my life. Can you say that? That's hard to say. I have lack in my life. And it's okay. And I begin to, to, to release the stress of trying to pretend like that I don't. Being humbled is, is understanding the difference uh, in the way I want my life to be, the way I want my marriage to be, the way I want my kid, the way I wish my children would be, the way I want my profession and my job to be, but realizing that I'm not there yet. And you begin to understand that. And, and the being poor in spirit, humility, it makes it possible to live with the tension between the ideal, what I really want, and the real. Is there tension in that for you in your life? What, what you really want to happen, but where, the reality of where you really are, and they don't, they don't mix? Being poor, be poor in spirit, it, it means real doesn't have to be perfect. And it just releases stress from you. You can be happy even though you're not there yet. Why? Because you're depending on God. Being poor in spirit, being humbled. Years ago, I, I didn't live like this. Uh, years ago, uh, I was around 22 years old, and I was just starting out in ministry. I was a worship pastor, and I'm just going to be completely honest with you right here. I cared way too deeply about how people viewed me. I, I did. I was 22 or so. I was starting out. And I wanted people to know that I was a vital part of the ministry. I wanted people to know that I was someone they could look up to on staff at the church. And the problem was, here's the problem. I, didn't, I hadn't earned that yet. I hadn't been there that long. I was just starting out. I was new, and I was young, and I was still learning. And there was other people on the staff that really, that they were a whole lot further along than I was. One of them even had a master's degree. And here I was, 22, trying to prove myself to a bunch of people that I didn't need to, to try to do, prove to. Uh, on the outside, there was nothing wrong with me. I was fun. I was a go-getter. On the inside, I was completely miserable because deep down, here it is, I had pride in me. And I didn't even understand that it was pride in me. And it left me feeling like I always had to prove myself. At every meeting, I had to prove myself. Every staff meeting, every service, I had to, I had to prove myself. And, and the, here's, the, here's the toxicity of that. When those efforts fell short, I was miserable. I was constantly thinking, this was the conversation going on in the back of my head. And I'm just going to be bold with you, vulnerable with you. This was the conversation. I'm on stage every single week. I'm putting together great music. I'm building one of the biggest teams in this church. And to be sure, everybody in this congregation would look and say, this is one of the main reasons I come to this church. Young and stupid. <laughs> 
That, that's, that was the conversation going on in the back of my head that nobody ever knew. And sometimes I didn't even have that conversation consciously. But pride in me always left myself trying to prove myself to a group of people who already affirmed me. And it was one of the most stressful times in my life. The pride in you will constantly leave you trying to prove yourself to people that already love you. Pride in you, you're trying to prove yourself to a group of people or a person that already accept where you are. And they want desperately maybe to walk that journey with you, but you're so prideful, you're trying to do something that you're not even ready to do yet. And, and because I was trying to prove myself, it left me working way too much, way more than I should have. I, I even started further education to try to get degrees to put on my wall so that when people walked in my office, they would know that, hey, he, he deserves to be here. And what I didn't realize is in the process, I developed this outward appearance that looked like a servant, but when the rubber meets the road, pride will not let you serve anyone more than you serve yourself. And that is stressful. And one day, I was praying. I still loved God. It wasn't like I was just the biggest heathen on the earth. But I, I still loved the Lord. And I was praying one day, and I was in the auditorium by myself. And, and God told me something, snapped me right up. And it, it changed my life forever. And I'm just going to pass on to you what he told me. Uh, I'm just going to say it to you. And this is what he said. You may not be where you are yet, where you want to be. And that's great news because you're exactly where I want you. And where you are is priceless. He said, now I have these amazing things that I want to show you right here where you are that you can't see if you keep trying to be somewhere you're not. I have unique things that I want to show you right here in this season of your life. And if all you do is focus on where you're not, you miss completely where you are. And this journey is precious to me. This is what God is saying to you today. The, the journey that he has for you is precious to him, and he's excited at the fact that he gets to walk it out with you. He was excited at the fact that he gets, got to walk it out with me. And he said, if you stress yourself out with the pride of trying to be something you're not, you're going to miss the unique journey of where you are. He said, own where you are, but trust me to get where you want to be. And I walked away from that conversation feel like, feeling like I had just let go of 500 pounds of burden. All of a sudden, where I was was a treasure. It wasn't just where I was in life and aspiring to be something else. Where I was was a treasure. It wasn't a burden. This was as far along as I had gotten. Guess what? God was, was, was just so proud to walk with me right there. He was with me. And he had this unique relationship that he wanted to grow with me right there, that it was only for me. It wasn't for anybody else. This specific relationship was about me and him. And I thought, man, to think that I almost missed that because I was trying to jump ahead. And that's what God's telling you today. I, maybe you don't have it all worked out. Maybe in this season of your life, you're not doing or what you thought you would, or you're not as far ahead as you thought you would be. And what God is saying is, is if you're in me and I'm in you and you've submitted to me, then you are exactly where you need to be. And the things that are coming into your life now are me. They may not seem good. They may not even feel good. But if you've given your life to me and you're trusting me with it all, then I'm either allowing it or I'm doing it myself. It's me. Hello. Grasp that, embrace it, own it, and take pride, not in of yourself, but in the fact that the God of the universe looks at you and says, I want to be there with him, with her, and I want to walk this journey out. I, I heard this quote recently. It said that true happiness is taking God very seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. I like Proverbs says it best in chapter 29, verse 25, says that the fear of man will prove to be a snare. <laughs> But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Who are you trusting? Yourself 
or a God that loves you and sees you. So being humble, being poor in spirit, it reduces stress. Let me tell you something that it also does. Being poor in spirit, it improves my relationships. Something happened when God started speaking to me like that and I started listening. Because I wasn't so stressed out at trying to be focused on how people saw me, it opened my eyes to be able to see the needs of other people. Not only in the church, but people that were very close to me, my own family. When you're focused on yourself, when you're focused on your own hurt, your own need to be validated, your own version of success, the needs of other people are always going to be out of sight. And your relationships are going to suffer. You know, it turns out people don't want to be around self-centered jerks. Who knew? They, they just don't. Why? Because self-centered people like that, even though they're not like that necessarily on the outside, the, the, like I was, the inside was happening. They, they're, they're miserable people. And the fact is, the, the more you focus on yourself, the more miserable you become. Why? Because you're not called to focus on yourself. You're called to love, and love always gives. Love never takes. You look no further than the example that Jesus gave us. And love is, is a giver. And so if you're not operating in this, this God-fulfilled wiring that he's put in you, then eventually you will deplete yourself and you will be miserable. And the more miserable you become, the more miserable you make other people. <laughs> Being around a humble person is, is completely different. A humble person listens to you. A humble person is, is quick to listen and slow to speak, and they begin to be more interested in what you're going to say. They begin to enjoy you. Listen, when, when you become interested in others, you become interesting to others. Humble, that's humble people, and the result is better relationships. When you become to, come to grips with not having to have the answers, when, when you come to grips with, with not having to be perfect, uh, you're, you're going to begin to experience the freedom of accepting yourself. There's a freedom in that, uh, accepting who you are and where you are. And as you do that, you're going you're gonna to find it a whole lot easier to say two of the hardest words you've ever said. I'm sorry. That, those two words will probably improve any relationship from a heart that really is humbled and poor in spirit. I'm sorry. You may even experience the three most difficult words, and that's I was wrong. Some of you just drew up right when I said that. <laughs> And you may even get to the place, poor in spirit, where you understand the four hardest words. And as you get to a place where you say, I need your help. I can't do it. I need your help. Now, maybe for you, you're thinking how much someone else needs to hear this. If that's you, then it's for you. Maybe you're thinking, wow, I wish my spouse would really hear this. If they're sitting next to you, please don't rib them. <laughs> don't, don't point. Don't, you know, your job is to be an encourager, not a discourager. Hear me. If it, when it comes to you, your job is to encourage them, not to discourage them. Husbands, wives, here's what you need to focus on. Be the very best in the world at bringing up the best about your spouse. And, and leave the humbling to God because God can certainly do it. Nobody ever got better because someone told them how wrong they were. Never. You, you want to draw the best out in somebody? Then honor them. Parents, if you compliment your kid, it will not go to their head. You can give them a compliment because guess what? It's going to go to their heart. And God can do the humbling. Ephesians 4.29 says this. I love it. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. You know what love is? Love is giving someone what they need not what they deserve. 
And he says, you've got to talk in such a way that's helpful, only helpful for bringing the best out according to their needs, building them up, that it may benefit those who listen. When I'm poor in spirit, when I'm, when I'm humbled, I'm happy and I'm blessed because it reduces stress in my life and it improves my relationships. Say number three. Number three, it releases God's power in my life. This is the last one. It releases God's power in my life. And anytime you see somebody who is joyful, they got a joy that's unshakable. And, and they realize how much God has done for them, how much God has blessed them. That type of person will have always started with letting go of depending on themselves in some area of their lives and beginning to depend on God. And the reason is because God's power is not released in the places of your life. You haven't humbled yourself to depend on him. You want God's power in your life? You want the joy that comes from knowing that God's for you and his power is working in a specific area? The prerequisite is always to humble yourself, become poor in spirit, and learn to depend on him. Because the reality is, is if you're comfortable depending on yourself, then along with that, you also have to be just as comfortable as a human being. But it's the prerequisite for God's power in your life, which leads to the biggest joy you'll ever have the biggest blessing in your life. And I think when we get honest with ourselves, we all know the place that we struggle with. I do. As the pastor of this church, one of the, this location, one of the, the biggest things that I come to grips with that is to my benefit is to understand that I'm a mere human being and struggle. And you all know that place in your life. You, you do. And I think we, we all get to the place where we're fearful of, of trying to answer the question, what if I can't do it? What if I can't submit? What, what if I can't, I want God's power in my life, but what, what if I can't? What if I can't stop? What if I, what if, what if I can't give it to him? I, I was preparing last week and I was, I was sitting at uh, my desk and I was looking out the window, and, and I was trying to put this point together, and, and I started thinking about God's power in my own life, and I started to think about the places in my own life that it's difficult to give Him, and it overwhelmed me to the point in, in myself that I thought, wow, the flesh is too strong. <laughs> I can't do it. And when I get right down to it, there are places in my life that I seem to mess up every time the situation comes around, and I think, I can't do it. I can't give it to you, God. And you ever prayed a prayer like this? I'm just going to need you to take it from me. You ever pray that? I can't do it. The flesh is too strong. I want your power in my life. I just can't seem to humble myself enough. I can't seem to get poor in spirit enough to humble myself, to release me enough to make room for your power to come into my life. And I think everybody has that place on the inside. And, and the, the reasons are vast. For some of you, it's anger. Every time that person says this, or every time that person maybe just comes into the room, or I think about them, something happens in me. And, and I try not to let it happen, and I can even go a few minutes, but eventually, man, it happens, and I snap. It comes in me like lightning. I want to submit that to God. I just, I, they have to stop doing that before I will, because what? The flesh is too, the flesh is too strong. For, for some of you that are listening to this, it's worry. There's just this constant state of fear and anxiety on some level of your life, some area and you're like, God, I don't want to feel this. I want to submit this to you. But we come back to that phrase, the flesh is too strong. For others of you, it's some type of addiction. It may be something as serious as, as drugs or alcohol or pornography or something like that. Those are the ones that we always think of. And oh my gosh, they're the worst. But you know what? It could be, it could be serious on a completely different level. It could be a season of laziness you're going through. Or you're just not motivated or, or, or depression. And that's a real thing. 
or it's, it's this, you know, it's a food issue for you. Real thing. And we want to give that to God. We want to release those things. But every single time the temptation comes up, sometimes we get a little better than others, but we always get to that place where it's like this cycle. And we say, the flesh is too strong. Maybe it's a person. You know what? You can put your spouse before God and it become a wrong thing. And if, for some of you, it's a relationship, it's a person. And if truth be told, if you had to choose right now between God or that person, you couldn't help but choose the person because the flesh is too strong. Can we get honest with a minute, for a minute and, and just kind of identify that? Because when we think about God's power in that area of our life, we, we say, you know, I, I don't know if I can do it because the flesh is too strong. I want you to know I understand that and I get it. And this past week, I'm having this conversation with God. And you know what Jesus said to me? And you know what I know he's saying to you right now? No, it's not. The flesh isn't too strong. He says, in fact, it's powerless because I beat that. <laughs> I, I conquered that for you. It's not that the flesh is too strong. The reality is, is that your spirit isn't strong enough. And therefore, it makes it appear that the flesh is too strong. My oldest son, he was up here today, very proud of him. He, he's learning how to play the guitar. And uh, he came to me a few months ago and wanted to learn how to play the guitar. And so I said, here, you can learn how to play on this. I gave him a little beginner guitar. And within 10 minutes, he said, how do you do this? My fingers hurt. And I said, well, you got to play through that, you know. And he came up to me, you know, a few days later, a week later, and he's going, I don't want to do this anymore. This hurts too bad. And I'm, I'm at it. He's not saying he's done. He's looking at me like, what are you going to say? And, I, you know, I didn't look at him and go, you know what? The guitar is just too difficult. You know what I told him? I said, you got to go practice, man. The difference between you and anybody else, me included, is, is just practice. I said, and if you go practice the hard stuff, eventually the untapped potential inside of you is going to be bigger than the difficulty of the guitar. And you got to empty out yourself of this idea that you can't do it because the guitar is not going to change. It is a piece of wood with six strings on it, and it's not going to do anything different 10 years from now than it is right now. It's a guitar. But guess what? You have the potential inside of you to be different. And so the next time you, you come to me, you learn some chords, you do the difficulty, and then when you come back to me, the ability on the inside of you, the God-given untapped potential on the inside of you is going to be bigger than the difficulty. Right now, the thought at humbling yourself may seem way too difficult because the urge to do the opposite seems so strong. The, the flesh nature inside of you is just so strong. I, I don't know if I can do it, but you need to understand the flesh has absolutely no ability. Jesus Christ hung on a cross and bled and died and beat death, hell, and the grave. The, the flesh nature has absolutely no ability. But guess what? You do. He put inside of you a spirit. And if you'll begin to do the hard thing and empty out yourself, becoming poor in spirit, becoming humble, admitting, God, I can't do it without you, and I need you. Is it easy? Absolutely not. But if you'll do that, you'll begin to realize that you're, something's going to happen. There's going to be something inside of you that begins to grow too. It's called your spirit nature inside of you. And that has the, that's the part that God speaks to. God doesn't talk to the flesh. He doesn't speak to that. He doesn't work in it. Oh, but can he work in your spirit? And when you begin to feed that and stop magnifying the flesh is because it's so strong, it's so powerful. No, you've got some untapped potential inside of you that God says, I put in you. 
I put a spirit on the inside of you, and that's the part that I will empower. That's the part that I will give strength to. But as long as you're filled with pride in any area of your life, you, 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 you make God incapable of coming and filling that place. Become poor in spirit. Empty yourself out. It's hard to do because of our flesh nature. But when you empty yourself out and let God come into your life, you'll find his power is released in your life. And before long, you'll be saying, I am, I'm blessed. He's got great plans for you. But those plans, he never intended for you to walk in this life feeling like your flesh was too strong. But he said, I'll, I'll, I'll help you grow your spirit. And when you come back to those things, you'll begin to realize that the spirit nature is bigger than the things of this world. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I want you to ask yourself the question, where should I practice humility this week? And, and I think for all of us, we, we know where that place is. And, and, and let me just say this, give yourself permission to be in the place you're at. Because I think sometimes we get so discouraged because we have these problems. We get so messed up because, oh, I shouldn't be dealing with this right now. Can you just take a breath and not condemn yourself and say, you know, Jesus paid an awfully big price to come to this planet for me to sit here and, and condemn myself. Own where you are, be okay with it and invite God right in the middle of it and say, I can't change my past. Oh boy, but can God lead me into a new future? Where are the areas in your life that you know right now that you can, you can practice some humility this coming week? Where should I depend on God more this week? Maybe you would say, you know what? I'm not making it as a parent. <laughs> I'm not making it, I, I, I wanna be better. Maybe as a spouse, I'm, I'm not making it as a spouse. I'm not making it as a friend. Maybe I'm not making it in my job. Maybe you would say something like this, God, I need your help in my life. I wanna empty myself out. I admit that I need your power in every area of my life. God, but this, this place specifically, I humble myself before you. I wanna become poor in spirit. Give me the power to do what you've called me to do. There was a question brought up last week. Why, why would Jesus begin this whole series with poor in spirit, blessed are the poor in spirit. And one of the pastors on our staff pointed this out and I thought it was good. I want to tell you, why would Jesus say blessed are the poor in spirit first? Well, because I think this is where our journey with God begins. Because if you haven't come to the place where you're bankrupt in and of yourself, are you really on a journey with God? You know, if, if you haven't become impoverished in your own spirit and emptied yourself out, have you really started with him? And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the ones that come to me empty because those are the ones that I'm going to fill. <laughs> those are the ones that have made room for me. When you come before an almighty, all-perfect God thinking that you can do anything good in and of yourself to earn him, you may as well turn right back around because he's a perfect, holy God. Oh, but his grace. Oh, but his love that the Bible says in Romans that at just the right time, Jesus came and he died for us because we couldn't do it ourselves. And that if we believe in him, and if we confess with our mouths that we need him, that we're sinners, that we, we can't do anything of ourselves to earn him, we become poor in spirit. We become bankrupt in and of ourselves. That's when life transformation begins. That's why I said it first. And maybe that's where you are today. You're, you're, you're too full of yourself. And you, you know right now, because you, you feel God pulling at your heart that I, I need him. 
and I needed it to be less of me. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Maybe you, you haven't accepted him, or maybe you have, and it's been a long time, and you're kind of wandered off, and it's been more of you lately than it's been of him. Would you, would you be bold and pray a prayer with me if you're listening online, or maybe you're in the room today? Would you pray with me? God, thank you. He hears your heart. I need you. Would you pray that? It's been more of me lately, and I know I need you. I believe that you really came to this earth to die for me. You shed your blood for me, for the empty places in my life that I, I just can't seem to get it together. Fill me, God. I accept the fact that you died for me. I accept the fact and believe that you were raised from the dead. And I believe one day you're coming back to get me. Until that day comes, I, I want to wake up every morning aiming my heart at you. I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers but I'm starting fresh today. And I trust the fact that this desired outcome that I want, that I desire, whatever it is, Lord, I, I believe that you're gonna walk me through this life hitting the exact points that I need to hit along the way. I trust you with that and I'm relinquishing my trust to you, becoming poor in spirit of myself, emptying myself out. Lead me, I trust you. Maybe you're in the room or you're listening online today and, and you, would, you know the place that you need to be humbled. You know the place and, and you've been fighting it. You've been fighting the flesh nature and the temptation. And God is saying, I, I want you to humble yourself and begin to trust me in your spirit. And you, you'd like to say, God, help me. So I, I just want to pray for you today. Lord, I, in Jesus' name, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill each and every one of us in the room, listening online, that needs you in, in the areas of their lives that they just can't seem to get a grip themselves. Give us the boldness, give us the wisdom in, in the heat of the situation to stop looking at the flesh nature and the temptation and turn to the almighty God who's been there the entire time and say, God, I, in this moment right now when it's hard, I empty myself out. I wanna become poor in spirit and take on your attributes, take on your character that I find in your word. Grow my spirit, God so that I might become more like you. And I, I walk in this journey knowing that you're not here to drag me backwards, but that everything in you is alive. Everything in you goes forward. And by accepting you, I accept the fact that I'm going to go forward too, growing, becoming better, becoming the best me, because you created me. And you know exactly what I need. You know exactly what we need. And so we trust you with that, God. If there's anybody in the room that agrees with that and believes that and prayed that, will you say amen with me together? Amen. Can we just give it up for everyone who prayed that prayer for the first time and accepted Jesus? I believe with my whole heart it's the most significant decision you'll ever make in this life because it not only impacts this life, but it impacts your eternity, the one after. If you prayed that prayer, would you take a next bold step? Would you take that connect card in front of you? And in that, there's a, a spot that says, I prayed to receive Christ. Would you take a second and check that? Don't let your, your starting place today be your finish line. Let us know that you did that. We want to come around you and we want to pray for you. Maybe not today physically, but we will be praying for you. And we want, we want to follow up with you. We want to give you some potential next steps that you can take in this journey. We don't just want to be a church service. We want to be the church, what God called us to be. Would, would you do that? And maybe you're here today and you've, you've heard this sermon today and you thought, you know what? I need you to pray for me. I know what my areas are that I need, God. I need prayer. There's a place on that connect card for you to put your prayer request on there. And we will be praying for you this week. You better believe that. 
Maybe today's your first time here, just today. I wanna say thank you so much for coming. There's a place on that Connect card for you too. I want you to take it and, and fill it out. And as you walk out today, bypass the ushers. That's where everyone else will drop their Connect cards off. If you're brand new today, uh, take your Connect card to the VIP desk on the way out. We have a gift for you. And that's our way of saying thank you for coming today. We're so grateful that you decided to worship with us. Next week, we're gonna be continuing this series, I Am Blessed, and we're gonna, we're gonna tackle the next part of this passage that Jesus, Jesus spoke. I love you guys very much. I can't wait to see you next time. You guys have a great week.